On this week's episode of the Marketing Expedition Podcast, I get to speak with Lisa Condon. She's the owner of Lisa Condon Enterprises, a company that sparks inspiration, innovation, and collaboration through gratitude. Lisa uses a combination of theory and practices from the Project Management Institute, Six Sigma, Scrum, EQI, and Appreciative Inquiry. And Lisa is a certified Six Sigma Black Belt, Scrum Master, Certified Scrum Product Owner, and PMP. By combining her love of creativity and her passion for process, she is the founder and creator of Gratitude, a proprietary program designed to spark change. She's the author of the soon-to-be-released book, Sparking Your Business, Nine Steps of Gratitude. Lisa has won awards in public relations, event development, and business solutions throughout the country. But before we speak with Lisa, I have to tell you all about Coach Outlet Discount. If you use my link at peppershock.com offers, you'll get $10 off your first purchase of a $100 order of Coach Outlet products, courtesy of me, Ray Allen. <laughs> so go to peppershock.com offers and go get your discount off of Coach Outlet Discount products. Okay, now it's time for your marketing essentials moment, the essentials that you need to build your brand and your bottom line. So today I want to talk about problems or opportunities. Preparing your business for what we call the next new normal or whatever you want to call it, right? And there were a few months over this pandemic that we thought maybe we'd be getting back to what we would call normal, but what is normal anymore, right? You may have, you know, looked back at your your business and marketing strategy that you had from say 2009 BC before COVID and you were scheduling events and looking ways to ramp up the face-to-face sector to business and then of course what happened? We kind of get shut down and, you know, we have to pivot as the pandemic keyword, right? Pivot and pandemic pajamas. <laughs> Those are some keywords of this time frame, right? But there's a point where you have to start getting back into how you're going to do your business, how you're going to continue to carry forward, right? And so thinking about what you can do to continue to adapt and, you know, learn how you're going to continue with this shift of how we do things now because of the pandemic, right? And of course, hybrid events are forever more, I think, where people are in person and also expecting live streaming. And we have this experience now that we've gained through technology and, you know, all the things that we've had to do to shift. We've maybe gone from a a traditional brick and mortar to maybe now a click and mortar where you're online and having to sell things online unlike you've ever had to do before. So you've had to innovate, adapt, and just take advantage of all these new challenges, or I guess we want to otherwise say opportunities, right? We don't have problems, we have opportunities. And so you have to rethink things, rethinking your workspace and place of where you do business, whether it's from home or, you know, in the traditional office setting. And you have to think about how contactless things are, are, you know, ever evolving and having, you know, masks available for people. And of course, the never ending use of hand sanitizer and and thinking about all those things that you're doing to continue to move your business forward, still staying safe and keeping your, your, your business partners, your employees, your vendors, everybody in the community safe as much as you can. But you also have to think about how you're advertising smarter now and maybe leveraging the tools that are out there like Google My Business to keep in touch with your customers and attract new ones too by utilizing Google My Business or other social media platforms that 
can help you with promoting your deals, keeping your hours updated, keeping your policies, your COVID policies in place, and you know, being able to sell your products and services more than before in a different way, right? And so now these new opportunities are growing and you are now having to embrace the new ways of doing things, right? And of course, you know, just trying to manage and maintain it all while you're doing virtual learning with, if you have children or if you've got, you know, remote teams now that you're working with and just thinking, how can you continue to keep engaged with the community in your employees engaged, your, your, everybody that you're normally, you know, usually face-to-face networking with, or, you know, doing trade shows that you otherwise can't do in a normal way or what we would otherwise have called normal BC before COVID, right? So thinking about how you can continue to evolve in this, in these, you know, what they called challenging times, right? But what are those opportunities that you can seek out as a result of those challenges that you've come across, right? And resiliency is definitely another key word that we're seeing people having to, you know, be resilient during this time and think of new ways of doing things and finding more efficiencies and cost-effective methods to make things happen. So anyway, I just wanted to give you some words of wisdom and we'll talk more about these things with Lisa in our interview. So let's get to it. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast, an auditory journey through the latest in marketing, branding, and advertising. Now, here's your Marketing Expedition Guide, Ray Allen. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Allen. I'm the president and CEO of Peppershock Media and the founder of the Marketing Expedition Community. And today's guest is Lisa Condon. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Ray, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Um, so a little bit about me personally, I live on the East Coast in the, on the beaches of Delaware. If you can believe there are beaches there, there really are. And um, I also run Lisa Condon Enterprises professionally. And my mission is to spark inspiration, innovation and collaboration through gratitude, uh, but truly using a proprietary process in doing so. So I'm a strategy and process geek by nature and by heart and by love. I love it. Ooh, so we get to talk some strategy and yeah, all kinds do. of fun things. I imagine <laughs> you have been, your services have, have really been needed during this pandemic and things that are going on. Tell me, tell me about some success stories, some things that you've helped people through these, these past few, well, I guess a couple of years now, really. Right. It is a couple of years. So, you know, I think when it all first started happening, what was interesting is I have been working from home forever for a very long time. And many of the businesses that I work with didn't know how to work from home. (laughs) And so there was that transition of how do I now set up Zoom? How do I set up um, even FaceTime? Or what does that look like? And can I record? Are there any compliance regulations? So there was a lot of that that happened at the beginning. Uh, And a a lot of that I think was based in fear and unknown and just also the urgency around it. So there was a lot of that. But really what I found so exciting is as we started navigating through um, the times of pandemic, and again, we're still there, people started looking at things differently, looking at their businesses differently, going back to basics and really looking at their why. And that is where I come in. I love that. I love to dig into the why did you get into the business that you're in? 
What are the values of your business that you want to be bringing forth to your employees and to your clients? And then how do we tie that together and build from there? And then with that, the innovation got to be a little bit different. The strategies became different. The partnerships became different. But it came out of this um, necessity to just really take stock of what was important. So that that to me was really exciting. Um, I think one of my major success stories is I had a, a small real estate business that I was working with and she knew that she wanted to grow her business. Well, not only had she switched kind of the broker dealer that she was working with or her umbrella company right before pandemic, all of a sudden, as you know, there was this real estate boom that happened. And she really wanted to make sure that she was hiring the right people. And let me tell you, she went from a very, very small team of about four agents, and she's now 13 agents strong, and they are just in doing so well. <laughs> They're really um, just navigating their plan, and she's going to be top five in the region region this year after just a year. It's just so incredible. I'm so proud of her. <laughs> That is pretty cool. So what sparked you to want to write your book, Sparking Your Business, Nine <laughs> Steps of Gratitude? You know what, really what's funny is that I originally thought a different book would be my first inaugural book. But the reality is the universe kept telling me to come back to how do you integrate values and gratitude in business. And I do it with businesses all the time. So why not write about it? And so the, the steps that I took I used myself without even realizing that they were steps. And it's when I changed from corporate world into entrepreneurial world. And so because I did that for myself and I know the difference it made in my life and in my business, I want to be able to bring that to others. So that way they can experience this growth professionally, personally, and holistically. Um, and, and I know that it works. So I want others to be able to experience that. And again, when I tried to do something else initially, it, it, there was blocks. And with this book, there wasn't. It was, this is exactly what I need to be telling businesses. So that way they can up their game and hire the right employees, bring in the right clients, which ultimately then will grow their bottom line. I love it. I love it. Yeah, you know, I can I, I can share some experience with that too. Like the book that I thought I wanted to write and was you know on track to do, then the pandemic hit and it just didn't seem quite right. So you're you're <laughs> you're probably not the only one that uh, has has changed direction. And you know, the key word of the pandemic pivoted their process and what they wanted to to accomplish. So <laughs> absolutely, yeah. And mine actually, I'll tell you, mine actually happened pre-pandemic. Um, I think what pandemic did for me was clarify things. And, but I think you're right. People pivoted because they needed that clarification or they needed to really understand the direction. And I don't know about you, but you know, I found myself pre-pandemic going 150 miles an hour every day, all day long. And pandemic really taught me to slow down. And I think it taught a lot of businesses to slow down a little bit and really take stock of the work that you are not only are doing, but want to be doing. Right. The old adage of patience are virtue. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. So tell me a little bit more about your goals and what you want to accomplish with the book and, you know, where you, where you see your business coming in the next, you know, two to five to 10 years from now. 
Sure. So I had started my my initial business um, years ago now, Red Sapphire Consulting. And again, as I took stock of my own value system and really honed in on the boundaries of what I do want to do and don't want to do, um, I ended up pivoting, as you, <laughs> as we just talked about, to Lisa Condon Enterprises. And so I did launch Lisa Condon Enterprises uh, a little over a year ago. And what I want to do with this book is, number one, I want to get it in the hands of businesses and not just small businesses, but businesses of all sizes, because I think it really can resonate with all of them. Um, with that, I, I do like to speak. I like to go out on the speaking circuit, uh, whether it's panel discussions, I've done a couple of keynote speaking engagements, and I want to get back on that stage. Um, I love the power of energy and getting the message out there and, and talking to people about how they can change what they're doing to actually engage and inspire uh, other people, including their stakeholders and clients. So I want to be doing that. And ultimately, I got to tell you, the way that my business is going right now, it's been so beautiful in that the clients that I've been attracting and working with and bringing in are the right ones. And I want to continue down that path. So um, next year, I really want to put on a gratitude summit myself. And that's um, I have that in the works right now. And each one, each one of the speakers that I want to bring in for that will actually represent one of my nine steps of gratitude to show how that has resonated with them. And these aren't going to be my clients. These are going to be individuals that I've worked with over the years where I've seen um, and I've worked with them as colleagues where I've seen this step in the process really work to change how they live their lives and run their businesses. Oh, I love that. A gratitude summit. I think that would be amazing. Uh -huh. I, I can only just imagine what it would, what, you know, an attendee would get out of that after they walked away from there. That would be amazing. Sure. <laughs> I, yeah, I would love it. And it's, um, like I said, it's a work in progress, but things just organically are coming together. And it, it's, I'm very excited about it. And actually, you're the first one publicly to know about it. All right. <laughs> well, I definitely can feel your, your pain of of having to speak you know on zoom or online because i love like you said the energy and having people in the room and being in front of them and engaging them and having conversations and, and still being able to present but yet it's that interaction that i i love as well and i can't I, I can't put a finger on why exactly that it's just it's so much better to be in person than it is to sit uh, you know in front of zoom but it's that feeling, that rush that you get as a speaker, right? And and you want that, you know, kind of instantaneous feedback that you get from your audience, just looking at their faces. And, and, you know, of course, on Zoom, they may have their camera turned off, so you don't really know, or they might be muted. So then their reactions just aren't the same. But uh, I'm right there with you, man. I love to be, to be able to have that energy, just like you were suggesting and saying. And, and I think people miss it. They, I think so, too. I agree. It's amazing. I, um, I went to a live event Oh gosh, when was it? October. And there were probably 200 plus women at this event. And I got to tell you, just the, the feeling of being around people in a way that, like you said, it's the energy. It really, there's just a buzz that happens, I think, naturally anyway. 
Um, but as a speaker, and when you have that buzz in the audience, it is so much different of that power when you're right there, especially because you can read the room too. You can make people get up and dance if you need to, to <laughs> yeah. get that energy back if something's not happening. On Zoom, like right. you said, there's a Zoom etiquette that I don't know that everybody understands and knows. And and no fault of anybody's. It's just the reality of the world in which we live right now. Um, but but it is to to keep people motivated on a Zoom call. That's a, a lot different for sure. Yeah, it is true. I mean, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, getting people up and moving. I, I did one time I did Zumba on Zoom, just like during a break, you know, where I was the MC and we <laughs> I made people I mean, and I'm talking like, you know, these are like dignitaries and leaders and senators and I made them all get up <laughs> and do a Zumba dance on Zoom. <laughs> oh, that's so fantastic. You are awesome. I love it so much. <laughs> but it's still not quite the same if you had a room full of people doing it. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what? I hope you taped that Zoom and you've got that somewhere because oh. that's so fantastic. Oh, goodness. Yeah, lots of, lots of little tricks to try to keep people engaged. I also teach at uh, Boise State and uh, I was having problems with keeping the students, keeping their cameras on. And so I kind of had to bribe them a little bit, you know, like, <laughs> and yeah, I won't mention, I, you know, the coffee shop gift cards and things that we did, some trivia things, but I was like, come on, people, I feel like I'm just talking into a black hole if you don't have your cameras on. Anyway. Exactly. Because people will then start to multitask and you get distracted. And those that don't work from home all the time, it is super easy to get distracted, to do, you know, all the other things, whether it's the laundry piling up and you can kind of see it out of the corner of your eye, or if you have a puppy like me who wants constant attention, you know, you get pulled away super easy. Yep. Yep. Well, and you mentioned, uh, as we're recording, you have an owl in the, in the background. Who, who, I, I do. And, <laughs> you know, again, it's, so it's nighttime here on the East coast. And as this, I live on the ocean, but I also have a, a, a national wildlife reserve behind me. And we get the craziest birds here, but recently there is this beautiful owl that shows up at sunset every night and serenades the sunset, but he has the deepest, deepest voice. So it's like this old chromogeny male that you're just like, ooh. Who in the background? It's really <laughs> funny, but he's beautiful. I've I've been able to see him a couple of times, and oh, he's just—he's big and fluffy and beautiful. But his who is really haunting. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's living his best life for sure. <laughs> yes, he is for sure. <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk about uh, you know maybe some advice that you would give to small businesses that are kind of struggling right now. You know, what kind of things would you do or say to encourage them and, and to get through what they're going through? I mean, every small business owner has something that they're working with or dealing with, but what kind of things would you, what would you say to somebody that says, you know, I'm really struggling right now? Mm. So the struggle is real. We all go through it. It doesn't matter if you've been in business a month, a year, 10 years. Um, there's always ebbs and flows to business. So, you know, just navigate through it. Um, I would also say for small businesses, make sure that you have a cohort of other bu small business partners that you can just mastermind with or talk with. And, you know, oftentimes you find that your pets aren't going to talk back to you or your spouse might not truly understand your business. So find like-minded professionals that you can actually just talk to and bounce ideas off of. Um, I wish I had done that early on. That would have been super important for me. 
I think the other piece of advice that I would give, and again, like don't do this, like learn from others' mistakes, right? Um, you don't have to be all things to all people. And just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. It's a lesson I learned early on. And, you know, you get into situations or contracts with clients when you know that you might not be the best person for the job. It's okay to say no and set those boundaries for yourself. And, you know, again, with the value work that I do, I think it, it for me, it made it easier to set those boundaries, but it took years for me to get to that point. And I ended up doing work that I wasn't loving. And what's the point of going into business or running a small business if you're not loving what you do every single day, day in and day out? Oh, I love that. That's great. Great advice. Okay, so let's talk about, uh, since we're going on a marketing journey here, I want to know some, some resources or some things that you do to help you promote your business. <laughs> well, the first thing I did was hire a virtual assistant, and um, I'm not even kidding. So I spend so much of my time working with my clients and helping them figure out how to promote their business and get out there. And I'm word of mouth. I've always been word of mouth. I've always been referral. And that's been great. However, um, with the business that I'm in now with speaking and my book coming out and being needing to promote all of that in a way that um, I haven't needed to do before. I wanted to find somebody who truly could talk about me in a way that I should be talked about. I think it's harder when it's yourself. So I hired a VA and actually um, I would say she's more of my virtual strategist than anything else. So that is the first and primary thing that I did. And it's the best money I've ever spent. Tara's amazing. So, so I think there's that. Um, the other thing is I needed to really take stock of who did I want to know that I existed? And, you know, sometimes it's really local. Sometimes it's regional. Sometimes it's national. Sometimes it's international. And so I needed to take stock of that for myself and then build my marketing plan accordingly. And so for me, I actually want to be international. And so I'm making sure that the touch points that I'm having, whether it's on podcasts or interviews or articles that we're submitting different places, it's in it from an international lens. So that that's really important. Um, I think to do that, not only for yourself, I do that for my clients as well, really understanding who that avatar is and geographics plays a huge, huge role in that. Um, so, and then, I mean, we have to talk social media, right? Social media is a big thing and they continue, <laughs> it continues to expand as well as, you know, algorithms continue to change. So having that pretty robust social media plan where you don't put all your eggs in one basket. Um, you know where your perfect client typically sits um, and building from that and then do what I do just to throw it out there. I do quarterly themes. And then within those themes, I make sure that anything that gets posted really is part of that theme. And whether that theme is, let's say it's DEI or let's say it's um, around focusing on gratitude and how you get there, whatever it might be, everything that I do ties back to that. And I will get all of my assets done three months in advance. So that way they're done. And it's when I'm in that mindset. So I know I can push that forward, you know, and things like Hootsuit, huge help, huge, huge help to just push things out. So I would say that's some of what I do. You know, I, I don't do everything when it comes to social media purposefully. 
And <laughs> my strategist is keeps trying to push me to TikTok. I am not there yet. I just mentally, I just cannot get there, Ray. Can't get there. Are you on TikTok? I want to know. Um. Well, so my son was 12 at the time, uh, you know, a couple like, uh, yeah, probably two years ago now. And um, <laughs> I, um, he had to show me how to use it. I, I feel like right now, all I'm really doing on TikTok is just watching other people's videos. <laughs> I know I need to do more, but you know, and it, it kind of, it drains your time, but uh, it's funny because I actually just interviewed him on a podcast I just did with my son. He's 13 now, almost 14. And I, you know, got, <laughs> got some pretty good tips from him. So, you know, it's, it's definitely something to, to consider as part of the strategy if that's the age range you're wanting to go after I think I mean more and more people uh, you know a little bit older are starting to get on it but it's certainly you know a young a young younger crowd that you well, know is it though I mean <laughs> and that's the thing I think some of what I'm seeing is adults similar to you who have younger children are now seeing the value of TikTok so they're starting to integrate it in their business um, depending on what their business is and it is just it's amazing to me. And, you know, I'm talking, I'm not talking 18, 19 year olds, you know, I'm talking 30, 40 year olds that are now pursuing that line of um, engagement. So it's, and a lot of it is, um, oddly enough, I'm seeing a lot in the food industry that are going down that road really interesting yeah. and, and you know it is too it's, it's kind of fun to to watch people do short little quips of you know business advice or you know like you said gratitude there's um you know some some people that show up in my feed and tiktok's really good about you know showing stuff that it thinks i like so yeah i think that's why it gets just sucked into watching it for so long but there's there's been some good you know little short snippets of information that you get that's like ah oh, yeah it makes you think a little bit you know and mm -hmm. so there's definitely some use there and I keep thinking, okay, maybe 2022, we'll, 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 we'll do some more with TikTok and just see how it plays out. But uh, the, the other one that the kids are on too is Snapchat. And I, and I'm only pretty much on it just because of them, you know, I want to kind of see what's going on with them. And, and, you know, they, that's how they communicate now is with Snapchat mostly, you know, maybe some Instagram, but yeah, Snapchat's kind of growing in too. It really is. And yes, and, and so I do not use Snapchat either. <laughs> I probably should and I don't. Um, you know, I one of the things I have tested out is Clubhouse. And I actually do like Clubhouse for certain um, types of businesses. I also like it for myself. Um, I find it very interesting. I Unfortunately, I don't know that it's going to take off like some of the other social media platforms have, but I, I do find it really interesting for those who um, have, I would say, more advocacy type businesses and or um, musical type businesses. I think there's definitely a need and a platform there for them. But again, you know, because it ties in with Instagram, it's it's pretty interesting. I don't know how much time you spend on Clubhouse. I actually created a club and I'm on it once a week, every Wednesday. And um, so, yeah, we're, we're on it and doing, so it's kind of similar to the podcast, but it's, you know, processing and with people up on stage and we talk about their marketing and different tactics that they're taking and kind of new trends and things like that. So it's been a way for us to be able to, you know, kind of reach a whole 
like you said, international market, really. People from all over have, you know, come back every week and I try to hold people accountable and ask them what, what goals they want to accomplish this week. And then they come back and tell me, you know, tell the audience what they've done and what they accomplished and, you know, what's on track or off track. And it's been, it's growing. And so, yeah, it's the Marketing Expedition Club uh, on Clubhouse. It's, uh, I guess for your time frame, it would be Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern time. So you'll have to, you'll have to join us on Clubhouse. And uh, <laughs> I just wrote that down. Thank you so much. I will join you for sure. Yeah, it's been, it's been fun. I've met some different people from all over and just, you know, other marketers, other business owners, you know, aspirational people who are wanting to get into business. And so I, I love to be able to, to share, you know, my expertise and then others and given those opportunities to do that as well. I love it. I think that's so great. And that's what it's all about, right? You know, I think one of the things that I love about being an entrepreneur is you can either see other businesses as collaborators or you can see them as competition. And I am huge, 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 huge on collaboration because I feel like there's power in collaboration because even if we were to do the exact same thing, we're not going to do it in the exact same way. And so a client that resonates with me is going to be different than a client that resonates with you. And I think that's so wonderful. And so I love that you're doing that and, and pulling people together. Yeah, no, it's definitely been fun. And yeah, like you said, collaboration. I mean, I met somebody on Clubhouse and now we're going to do a podcast together, for example, right? <laughs> Um, okay, so let's talk about some challenges that you've faced in your business. What are some things that you've overcome? You know, and kind of share an example of, of something that you faced that uh, maybe was a hard decision to make or that, you know, kind of put you in a different direction than what you wanted to be or something that some some type of challenge that you, you overcame, if you care to share. Oh, gosh. Yeah, there's all kinds of challenges. Um, you know, there's two that I'll share with you. One is when I realized, and it kind of goes back to what I was talking about earlier, was when I realized that I was doing work that I didn't want to be doing, and I had to actually fire my first client. Um, that's also when I knew that I was doing the right thing, but it was hard. And to be in a situation where you can do the work, but you know that it is not in the best interest of your client, and to sit down with them and look them straight in the eye and just you know, you have to tell them that, hey, I'm not the right fit for you. Um, hard, hard conversation. And there's a lot of feelings from my end that went into that. And, you know, was I failing this person? Was I failing myself? Was I making the right decision? Especially when, and this was probably about a year into my business. So I was still in building mode. So, but you know what, it was the right decision. And he, um, What's kind of funny is he, he was a musician and an actor and having albums come out and all this stuff. And I was doing all of his marketing for him, but there were other people that were more experienced in that industry that he needed. He's doing phenomenal now, like absolutely phenomenal. And he would have never gotten to where he is now if he stayed on as my client. I just would never have been able to get him there at that point in my career. So that was hard. And that was a, a hard pill for me to swallow as well, but ultimately you know, being grounded in the right. I think another challenge for me was when I really had to take a step back and make a decision to either hire W-2 employees or not. And because I think there comes a tipping point when you have so much business that's coming in and you want to be able to control the messaging, you want to be able to control 
the relationship, but what does that look like and how does that look? And do you bring in employees and go down the path of insurance and unemployment and, and all of that? Um, or do you go down the road of bringing in contractors where you can control the messaging somewhat, but it's not as easy? Um, that was a really, really tough thing to navigate. Um, I ended up going down the road of bringing in a W-2 employee and it was the wrong decision. And I ultimately ended up having to part ways with that individual and go down the road of contracting. And the reason it was the wrong decision was for me, it's because the job description needed to be a little more robust. And then when I looked at what I really needed, it was multiple people. And I did not want to bring in multiple people as W-2 employees because then that's people's lives and livelihood if things you know, were not to progress in the way that I thought they would. So, you know, I tested something out and it was the wrong decision. That's okay. You know, that happens. And, um, but now I have a wonderful, wonderful group of individuals that I 1099, I rely on them. We are truly a team um, with, with me being the lead and, and it's wonderful. It's working out really well, but that took, that took some time to number one, figure out which way to go pulled the trigger, made the, made the choice that I needed to undo later. And that took a little bit of time to really turn that around and write that ship. Oh, that's, that's, that's so good to recognize those opportunities, <laughs> challenges versus opportunities, right? Uh, we don't have problems. We have opportunities. I like to say. Exactly. <laughs> it's always an opportunity yeah. to learn and grow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. So, okay. A couple things uh, I had questions on that I think, you know, our audience may like to, to learn a little bit more about. I know you are a Six Sigma black belt. I, I want people to understand what that means and what it is that you have done to, in order to become a Six Sigma black belt. So it means I'm a process geek. I mean, let's just start there. So, so really there's, there's levels of belts in Six Sigma. And ultimately what you're learning is how to not just build process, but you also learn how to build process in a way that makes it really efficient and ultimately um, takes away redundancies, takes away barriers and you figure out where you can automate things. Um, so what I do is I either write processes or I re-engineer them based on the need of an organization. Um, Visio is like my best friend in the world. And, you know, when you map out a process from start to finish on Visio, you can see very clearly where there are gaps and or opportunities to really improve that process. And when you improve that process and, you know, it's the shortest way from point A to point B, but with the highest quality that impacts your bottom line from resources, time, energy, it, it impacts all of that. So, and it actually started uh, with GE and Jack Welch. So he really was the one that leaned in from, to it from a manufacturing perspective and, you know, millions and millions of dollars later as, as his processes were really solidified and, you know, there's a certain number you try to get to for errors and that type of thing. Um, so Black Belt really dives deep into it and there's, I could talk about it all day long, um, but in order to get there, so there are, I mean, you have to test and then you have to actually put theory into practice for so many hours in order to do that. But you, you know, usually start with a yellow belt or a green belt and move your way through it. Um, and then there's 
the the black belt is the highest that you can be so very proud of that it took me it took me some time to do it um i mean you can just go you can i don't want to say you can just but you know you go online and you study and you can take a test and that's part of it and that's great but putting it into theory that's that's where it gets really exciting uh one of the clients i worked with that i used to put theory into practice I ended up over the course of a year saving them $372,000 and then extrapolated that out over a five-year period of time. That was a pretty big success. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, and and I think, um, you know, having project managers and having them understand how to improve processes and why it's important and, you know, all of those those things that kind of the minutia of everything that happens, right? The the efficiencies and redundancies, really. I mean, the, every company could use some process geeks to help them through. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And it's and it's all sizes, too. You know, I think when people hear process, they think, oh, my gosh, I need to be a large company. The reality is, I think processes can really um, elevate you or harm you um, more extensively in a small business because, you know, with a small business, it's just the optics are there. You can just see it and feel it so much faster than you might in a large business. So you can see the benefit of when you do make a shift in a process or do actually create a process for something. Um, You just feel those results so much faster. Yeah, we are currently going through the EOS system, the Entrepreneur's Operating System, Mm -hmm. traction, and going through all of that process. And it's it's (laughs) (laughs) eye-opening. I bet it is. (laughs) It's good. I mean, it's good. It's it's like frustrating and and relieving at the same time because you're you, you want processes to change and you want things to go but sometimes it just takes a while for things to kick in and and do it the way you want it to, but it's it's all for the better right <laughs> absolutely it really is and it can be painful don't get me wrong it can totally be painful and you know some people they get there's a fear factor involved am i going to lose my job that type of thing um but at the end of the day it all comes out the other side. And when you engage people along the way to make sure that you have a good understanding of their roles, their responsibilities, how do you bridge that? And oftentimes you find people aren't actually doing what they were hired to do because they're fixing all of this other stuff over here. And that's where some of that process evolving comes in. Yeah, for sure. So one of the things that we you had mentioned wanted to discuss is running a values-based business. What do you mean by running a values-based business? Yeah, so this I think is so incredibly important and it's important to me because I ended up doing it for myself. Um, so when, as an individual, right, when you find out what your core values are and there's ways to do it, there's, you know, there's value card systems, there's workshops, there's all kinds of ways to figure out what your core values are. And, and then when you align your time with that and make sure that you're spending a majority of your time in tapping into something that is values-based, it just makes for a richer life. Well, now imagine that from a business perspective. So if your business, if you understand the core values of your business and what you want to bring to your staff and to your employees and stakeholders and anybody else really that you want to partner with, And if you know what those values are and you extrapolate them out among everything that you do. So imagine that your goals are all set for the year or for your strategic plan that are based in those core values that you've identified. What would that do? And then imagine if they are part of your job descriptions of the employees that you wanna hire. 
what does that do? And then you tie it into the avatar of your customer. And then what does that do? And it starts, then you start working in this environment of truly being and living and breathing and working in this value space that you want to be working within. Um, that creates just an energy itself of um, happiness and joy and people want to work with happy people and people want to work for happy companies. So it just kind of evolves itself. And you're working with people that understand the type of work you want to be doing because it's all based in the same core value system. I love that. I love that. You know, and you can even take it a step further too, right? When you do like value-based estimating, like what we value our work to be rather than, you know, tying it to the billable hour per se, it's like the value of what people would pay based on the values of your company, the value of your reputation and all of those things. I mean, it kind of goes around full circle. Absolutely. I 100% I agree with that. And, and I think oftentimes with entrepreneurs, you, when you're first starting out, especially you undervalue yourself. So you don't charge as much. And at the end of the day, taking stock of what your competition does, I actually don't think that's, I personally don't buy into that because Again, what I bring to the table is what I bring to the table, and it might not be what my quote unquote competitor does, and they might bring a different value to the table. So it's really about honoring what, what you are bringing forth, what the need is of your client, and matching that up. You know, for me, my prices are definitely not even in the same realm as others, and it's purposeful because I believe through service comes sales. I want people to be the best that they can be and get to that 2.0 or 10.0 version of their business. So I price accordingly because I know from that they are going to stay with me long term and they're going to refer to me. And that, and I prefer that versus having. Um, money's not bad. Don't get me wrong, but, (laughs) you know, versus just having just, um, a large paycheck come in and then not have that longevity of relationship. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And, you know, you do business based on relationships and, you know, I don't want just like you, I don't want to be the cheapest in town. Cause what does that say about you? Right. I mean, <laughs> or the cost, most cost effective, I should say, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm there with you. Sometimes, you know, people will come back and say, well, we got a bid that was only a third of the price. Well, you know, I guess sometimes you get what you pay for, but it's all about the relationships that you build and the value that you bring. Right. Absolutely. 100%, 100%. So you've got to know where your sweet spot is for yourself and what you feel good with. And again, your value, it all does come back to that and, and what you, yeah, just (laughs) what they're going to be, what they're going to have with you in comparison to anybody else, they might get an estimate or a proposal from, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, Lisa, let's find ways to get in touch with you. How can our audience reach out to you and, um, you know, give us, uh, give us your, what's your TikTok handle? (laughs) (laughs) The TikTok handle is, it doesn't exist yet. Um, (laughs) I'm with you. (laughs) So, um, so the best, so a couple of ways. So one, my website, lisacondon.com, super easy. And you can also email me at lisa at lisacondon.com. Also super easy. Um, I am on Facebook. So Lisa Condon Spark, uh, that is my business Facebook page. Um, and Instagram, same thing. You can find me at Lisa Condon Spark. So I think those are probably the best ways, but 
would love for any of your listeners to reach out to me. And you know, I, I enjoy just connecting with people and understanding what they're doing in their business and how I might be able to be of service or how we might even be able to collaborate at some point. Absolutely. I'll be looking forward to hearing more about your gratitude summit. And uh, we can we can talk about that. I think that would be fantastic. So wonderful. Thank you so much. I really love talking with you and spending some time with you today. Thank you so much, Lisa. All right. Thank you so much. And for those of you listening now, the best thing that we could have you do is share this with others that need to hear Lisa's words of inspiration. And, uh, you know, it also helps when you give us some reviews, too. So be uh, willing to do that for us. And, and then hopefully you'll continue to get the value every week. And until next time, everyone, enjoy the journey. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Expedition podcast. Want to continue the journey? Don't miss out on new episodes. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wouldn't it be great if there was one place you can go to get all the latest information and tips about marketing and advertising? The Marketing Expedition community is that place. People like you gather in our online community to build relationships with others and find the latest marketing trends, tactics, tools, and technology. We help you build your brand and your bottom line. Start your adventure today. Visit themarketingexpedition.com to find out more.